What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. And for the first time in the regular season in the year 2023, we get to talk about a Memphis Grizzlies win. 112 to 100. And it was good to see a few things last night. Obviously, the win was huge. But Luke Kennard comes back and finally decides that he can shoot again. He stopped listening to Blake Ahern, started knocking down some threes. Uh, Jaron Jackson. Th- this is what I don't I don't get, man. Like, we have watched this dude evolve so much in his time here. When he got the ball and DeAndre Ayton was on him, he was in attack mode, going right at him. He knew that Ayton had nothing for him. We get to see uh, Obiz's Grizzlies debut, pull down 11 rebounds, plus 18 in 26 minutes. Lots of positives after six games of nothing but negative. Candace, how are you feeling after the first win? I'm feeling like they got a win, man. I will take it. It was good to see some things, positive progress. Take all you can get when it comes to that. Uh, like you said, it was really great to see Luke get some shots down. But them St. Jude kids are rejoicing right now. They actually got some money out. I'm sure they're beginning to think they were never going to get no money. Uh, so shout out to St. Jude. Um, Santi was back. Uh, it wasn't a good game, particularly for Santi, but you just like to see that depth. Um, like to see him trying to get in the rhythm and just add some size to the team overall. Uh, you like like what you got from Bismack Biombo. We had a huge game. Uh, he was in some foul trouble, so he didn't even play his full extent. But just coming in, eight points, eleven rebounds, four assists, which I didn't think uh, Bismack had to his game. But apparently, I was not familiar enough with his game. But just all around great impact. You just see the way that it changes how the Grizzlies want to play. Uh, we did not see 54 three-point shots go up today <laughs> or last night. We only saw two, uh, 32 shots go up, three-point shots. And I, I can live with that. That's that's more in my range. Uh, but because they got beats, met, they were also able to re- win the rebounding battle, uh, 49 to to 47. So just um, great stuff all around. You still wonder how to match up against better teams because, you know, the Trailblazers team is still not a good team. But they needed to get that win and, uh, I think they can use this momentum, and as they go home, get a few days break, maybe they can put something together. Yeah, man, for me, just a, a professional win. Uh, that's what I call it. Still some some negative stuff as far as rotations. and You look at it, at it through the prism of it's just the Portland Trailblazers, but at this point, a win is a win. Uh, you 0-6, man. You need to find a way to get a, get a W, and it still goes to that left-hand column. It still counts the same. I think we've talked – enough negative man so i'm gonna gonna focus on a positive tonight and i think there were some positives to take out of this game um first off it just felt good to have viable rotation players playing like you had jacob raven dnp cd which is where he needs to be at this point um you add bismack biombo to this lineup and this dude comes in man the second game with the team just coming in off the couch with with eight points 11 rebounds, and as Candace mentioned, four assists to go along with three blocks. The four assists really stands out. I, I think Bismack Biombo needs to be the starter going forward, and, and that's not any discredit to X. Uh, he just fits more what this team needs, and I think X, if you as you saw, man, he, he ends up injured here. You see what the knee sword is. Um, he was just gassed, uh, being overused. I think he was being asked to do 
more than he's capable of doing. And I think him coming off the bench with Bismack Biombo is just going to make this team better. It's going to help the depth. And the thing with Bismack Biombo is you don't have to worry about him doing anything outside of himself. Uh, we've, we've been complaining and everybody's been complaining about the X3s. You ain't got to worry about Bismack Biombo taking any, any wild shots out of the offense. He knows who he is. He stays in the paint. He's going to rebound. He's going to block shots. He's going to get offensive rebounds. And that's how he gets his, his points. It's kind of a poor man, Steven Adams. He saw, he did a really good job of setting screens as well. He's not as big as Steven Adams, but he's able to replicate some of those things that Steven Adams does within his offense. And, and you talk about, you don't expect Bismack Biombo to be a playmaker. He comes out there with four assists. So he's doing all the Steven Adams stuff. Um, in this game, and I think it really, really helps Jaron. Um, I, I think you saw Jaron benefit from having him uh, beside him in this game, and I really like the way they played together. Really excited to to get a win for for D Bain and Trip. I mean, those guys have been playing their ass off, uh, trying to will his team to victory. Hadn't been able to do it, um, and it's just good to see see that happen for those guys last night. Uh, hashtag All Star Bain, man. Let's get that trending. Um, he's averaging twenty six points a game. Had 30 last night, uh, just doing it all out there, man. Really improved on, on the defensive end as well. He's doing it on both ends. Um, what else, man? Luke Kennard, uh, big, big-time game from him. 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, five and nine from the field goal, from, from field overall from the field, four, six from three, uh, found his shot. Um, and that's that's the what we saw from Luke Kennard last night is why they went out and traded for him. And – not only did he knock down four, six threes, what was really impressive for him is the five rebounds. And a lot of those were late in the game, crucial rebounds through contact. These weren't any soft rebounds where ball just fall in his hand. He was going up, getting these boards through contact. And he really, really helped this team and with that, with that final unit on the floor to, to pull away and win this game. Uh, so shout out to him. And finally, man, it was finally good to see Kenneth Lofton Jr. get minutes in a, in a real situation man and, and you look at the box score not big time numbers but he was really good um and he played plus four and ten minutes he came in did some nice things immediately came in got a block uh strip of, of deandre Aiden and came down on the other end knocked down a three and he showed off his playmaking i mean i think a couple of those assists um he had three assists overall but i think a couple of those were drop offs to luke Kennard for threes um he's a, a good basketball player man i just hate to see people keep Shitting on this kid, man. It, it, I had a guy this morning tweeted me. He was like, well, he doesn't look like a basketball player, but he's got skills. And I'm like, why do you even have to say he doesn't look like a basketball player? You could have just left it at he has skills. Like, people keep talking about the weight thing. He's always been, been – he was even bigger than this in college. He was significantly bigger than he is now. It has never hindered his game. Don't worry about the weight. If he comes out and produces, like, he's he has more foot speed than guys like Jake LaRavia. And Jake LaRavia is not 300 pounds. But Kenny can move his feet better than Jake LaRavia can. I mean, he doesn't have any problem doing the things that he needs to do. So I just hate people keep harping on the weight thing. But it is what it is, man. I hope this continues. I'm not going to hold my breath from what we've seen um, and how this team has kind of handled him. And I still think there's a chance that at the end of this period, when they, when they decide they want to keep and guarantee Bismack Biombo, they let him go. I hope that's not the case. I think it'll be a mistake. But – I could still see that happening, but shout out to Kenny. Um, and just glad to see Taylor finally give him what I call an opportunity in a real game situation to where he could come in and impact and help this team. I don't have any question. If he gets minutes, 
and you give him a real real chance to play minutes, he's going to contribute anytime he comes in. I don't have any question about that. So no surprise there. People were tweeting me saying, I know, I know you're happy that he's doing this. I'm like, I'm not surprised, man. This is what he does. He's always produced. On every level that he's been in, anytime you put him in a game, he comes in and get production. So y'all might be surprised, but this is not surprising me at all. Yeah, same man. I I was glad when when he got up off the bench to check in early in the game. I'm like, okay, all right, maybe they are past this. You know, whatever it was that was keeping him on the bench for all of these injuries. And, and I hate that it took an injury to X in order for that to happen because he should have been getting minutes before then. With the way that this team was playing and the way you, you were just feeding LaRavia minutes and they were not productive minutes. He he was not looking good out there. You're feeding Roddy minutes. Roddy has had flashes, but he hasn't done anything this season that warrants keeping Lofton on the bench while he's out there doing whatever it is that he's been doing. Uh, Candace, we, we saw kind of a down game here from Zaire, negative 17. He played 27 minutes, two for four from the field, one for two from three, missed a free throw. He did grab seven rebounds. A- any concerns uh, about Zaire? You know, we, he, he has pretty much shown that he's going to be a rotation player even though they haven't, you know, they were 0 6 heading into this game, but he's played well so far this year. This is a down game for him. Does this down game feel like we're having regression, or is this just, hey, bad game, moving on to the next? Uh, I think it's a bad game, uh, moving on to the next, because overall, he's been solid. I mean, in his nature, he's a bench player. So you are asking a guy, you know, people argue, should it be Zaire, should it be Luke? whatever, either guy is like a bench guy. Like, they're not like a starter quality guy. So, just a matter of preference. Um, I mean, if I'm tripping to Marcus Smart, having eight points last game and or game four last and five turnovers, I'm not going to trip about Zaire having six and two turnovers. Like, the, the turnovers are frustrating. I think that would be the only thing that I would say. I don't blame him for that. I know that the coaching staff has preached for him to work on his playmaking. And while you see some flashes, you it's it's still rough. It's still rough. Jump rough in handle. just a second here. Like one of those turnovers late in the game ain't have shit to do with a coaching staff. He dribbled it off of his foot and it went out of bounds. Yeah, he he's he's not ready for, for that yet. Like, I, I'm forcing up what you're putting down. I, I agree with what you're saying though, but that he had that one turnover late and he the the defense on him wasn't even very high pressure. He just dribbled off his foot and it rolled out. I'm like, man, like that That's one's true. frustrating because that was like that was in the middle of a Portland run, right. and they were 0 and six. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. That like they're gonna find a way to lose this game. But I yeah, go he, ahead with your point. He's got a knack for when bad things are happening. For he's gonna get a turnover. Like I just I almost count on it. Uh, but again. He's not supposed to be in those high-pressure moments. You really want him kind of coming off the bench. But for what he's giving you, I think he's doing pretty well. I just wish he'd just, you know, like catch and shoot or something. Like, I, I don't, I'm i not a fan of him having the ball in his hand just in general um, for reasons like it bouncing off his foot or just being clumsy, but also just because it's a terrible handle. So bad things tend to happen, uh, especially in high-pressure situations. But overall, like I said, you're getting what you're going to get from him. I think he's – Overall, been solid. 
Um, and I, I, I appreciate that he's had steady so far continuing with three-point shooting and the Grizzlies need all the space and they can get. So shout out to him for that. And the rebounding. He's been consistent with that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned about it because you, you're going to have ups and downs with him. He, he's not a, a guy that's going to come out there and you're going to get good Zaire every night. It, it's just not going to happen. He's not at the level where he's going to be that consistent. Um, and on the ball stuff, I've I've seen enough of it for, for right now. He's just not ready to to beat to handle the ball as much as he does. Uh, they're they're trying to force that. We saw uh, when he played summer league two years ago. They had him on the ball. They were there was something that's something that they want for him. Um, and, and I think they're pushing it, but it, he's not ready for that. As you said, that turnover during that Portland run, his handle just isn't there. Um, it, it hasn't improved to the level that they that they want. But they're still still out there trying it. But as you said, man, he just stay in his lane. Uh, slash to the basket, knock down three pointers. He's been doing that. Been rebounding. Um, he's done some solid things on the defensive end um, here and there. So I'm not worried about him. When everybody comes off, he's likely going to be back on the bench. Um, and I, I think he'll be much better in his role. They're just in a situation right now where they don't have much of a choice uh, but but to play him in that starting lineup. And 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 I, not to to knock him at all, because I think he's probably surpassed, even with the, some of the struggles that he had, like you saw last night, he's probably surpassed my expectations of what I would have thought about him coming into the season, coming into the preseason, like during the offseason, I still wasn't sure that he would turn a corner at all. And he's definitely turned a corner. Um, and we've seen some of the best basketball that he's ever played here early in, in these first seven games. Last night just happened to be an off game for him. I, I don't necessarily expect that to be something that happens every game uh, because, again, we've seen him have multiple good games here during this stretch. So I, I'm, I'm pleased with what I've seen with Zaire, man. I, I don't think he's a, a big time issue right now. I just think it's one of those situations where, and the same thing I said about Marcus Martin, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. He's being put in a position where it, it's probably more than what he's capable of at this point. Um, it was just not really what's best suitable for him. So you're going to see some mistakes made. It's going to be some up and downs with him. He's still super young, still a guy coming off the season that we saw him have last year for him to, to do that versus what we've seen for him so far this season. It's like, night and day so even with the mistakes I still think he gets a passing grade from me for what we've seen from him so far here in the early season let's bounce from from Z over to Marcus Smart big trade acquisition in the offseason so far he struggled Marcus Smart through the first seven games of the season is a negative 55 on his net rating I think that we are, I know that I've, I've mentioned it somewhere before. I don't feel like he has been in an optimal role. He He's not a primary playmaker. He's not a primary offensive initiator. I wish they would kind of take the ball out of his hands and let Bain run the offense, make him play off ball a little bit more. I think that Bain could still get what he's getting because defenses are playing to him anyway and you could get a better version of Marcus Smart. I didn't know. What, I, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're, you're good. Like, what, I guess for me, I'm not surprised that he's struggling right now, but my expectations for him really kind of kick in after Morant returns 
when he is able to go out there and be that primary defender on the best team's wing, on the other team's best wing, and play off of the ball, I think that's we're gonna when we're gonna see him really start to soar. Do you guys have any like are you worried about him at all? Do you think that he's gonna be a problem? Do you think that this was a miss on this trade? No, I, I think it's it's too early to call anything a miss <laughs> seven games into the season. Uh whether it looked good or bad, man. It's just it's just too early. But I agree with you that you'd rather see him off the ball. And I think that the bigger assessment comes in then anyway, because that's really, while he had twofold purpose, I think he raises the ceiling of the, of the, yeah, I think he raises the ceiling of the, of the team with his defensive ability next to Ja off the ball. I think that helps them and, uh, you know, versus paying like a tie is or, you know, what have you, where the defense sort of goes off a cliff in substitution for the offense you don't necessarily kill your offense even though that's not like what you're what he's there for he can be serviceable on the offensive end but also just raise that defensive level and offset you know what what Ja can do (laughs) essentially so I think one thing though is I, I think the chemistry thing is legit particularly when you're a point guard I think people underestimate that transition that's not easy especially when, like you guys said, or we talked about before, he's not a natural point guard anyway. And this team plays with a different pace than what he's used to. I liked, we talked about the last game, game before last, when the last three minutes, ball was in Marcus Smart hands, turnover, turnover, momentum killer. I like what they're doing now in the last three minutes of, of this game, and probably even before, but I know for sure, the last three, Marcus would bring the ball up, but the ball was either going to Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. Every time Marcus Smart brought the ball up in those critical crunch time moments, it wasn't him necessarily facilitating the offense. Maybe he'd call out a play, but that play was to one of your playmakers. And I like that as a compromise in the sense of still, I guess, getting Marcus involved in the offense. And there is some benefit to having Bain off ball in the sense of stagger screens, those type of things. I liked what I saw offensively in a lot of those sets where Marcus was calling out to play, Dez or Jaron would get the ball. I liked that. Um, Takes some pressure off of them, but ultimately take takes the real pressure off of Marcus. So we'll see if that's something they continue to do. I hope to see that more often. Um, not saying I never want to see Marcus with the ball, but you just got to be careful about, about when you're going to run those moments. It can't be fourth quarter trying to win the game. Maybe you get second units, sure. Um, but I, I agree with you primarily that it should be Bain, should be Jaron. And I like that Marcus looks for those guys. Um, ja does look for Bain, but Ja tends to ignore Jaron. And we're seeing Jaron get more paint touches because Marcus is looking for him in those spots. So I, I like that as a plus too. If you look at his usage career, he's a 17.6% usage guy. This year with the Grizzlies, he's at 21.1 so far. That bump in usage has led to a 9% increase in the amount of turnovers that he's making. He, If you look at what he's done, like his time in Boston – 
uh, his turnovers, 1 1.8, 1 1.7, 2.4, 2.9, 2.0, 1.9, 2.2, 2.5. 2 and right now for the Grizzlies, because that usage number is so high, he's at 4.4, that they've got to find a way without job being in the lineup. And maybe it's exactly what you said of him just bringing the ball up the court. And then as soon as they get in their set, then he's getting it to Bain or he's getting it to Jaron and let those guys be the decision maker. Isaac, do you have any ideas of what they can do outside of that to find ways where he is not, his usage rate can get back down to like a more comfortable level because the, the 2.2, the 2.9, like those are the things that you want from him. You don't want to see this 4.4 turnovers per game that we're seeing right now from him. Yeah, for, first of all, for me, he's I'm not concerned because I think once job returns um, and you have job back in his lineup, you're going to see something completely different. He's wearing too many hats right now. They're expecting him to be the point guard. Um, he's also you want he want him. He needs you need him to give offense. You also want him to guard the primary perimeter player on the other team. And that's just not what he's used to doing. Number one, he's a secondary playmaker. He's not a point guard, he's not a guy that you want on the ball full time. Personally, I don't I don't love Bain on the ball all the time. Um, I, I kind of like what you guys said about letting him bring the ball up the floor once you get into the set, then get the ball to Bain. I, I don't like Bain being a primary ball handler because he can do it, but I think it it takes, takes away from his offensive game. There, there are times when you put him strictly on the ball, we've seen it, and there are times where he can struggle uh, when it happens because his usage is so high. It's high enough even now. Uh, with him being off the ball. I don't know if I like him as just straight up the primary ball handler, but they're just in a tough spot right now uh, because they don't have a point guard on the roster outside of, of Jacob Gilead. And, and shout out to Gilead, man. If, if Gilead was 6'2", uh, I, I just wish he was 6'2", because he he comes into the game, he's not going to turn the basketball over. Uh, he's not going to take any wild shots. He sets the table. He runs the offense. He knocks down threes. When he gets the opportunity to do, gets a good look, um, and, and he does those things, he just hurts you on the defensive end because he's just so so small that it's hard to continue to play him. But if he was a, a, a few inches taller, he would be a, a nice piece off the bench that you could use at times. But for, as far as Marcus is concerned, that's just not what he's used to doing. When he was in Boston, he was playing against playing next to guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, where he didn't really have to do anything. He just get those guys the ball, and they could create on their own. He didn't have to create offense for those guys. Uh, but I, I did think last night, at, at times, I think he figured out, okay, on this team, Desmond Bain and, and Jared Jackson Jr. are those guys. And there were times where he got those, those guys at the ball, got the ball at the spots that they wanted, and they were able to score, finish and score. Uh, but I think he did figure that out. I think some of the games prior, it seems like that wasn't – they kind of weren't on the same page. I think you saw a little bit of more of them being on the same page last night at times in their game, but they're just in a tough spot right now because they don't have a true point guard on the roster. The only guys that I get, get I mean, I guess Marcus Smart and Jacob Gilliard are the closest guys you had a point guard. Bain can do it. Uh, Jaron brings the ball up the floor sometimes himself. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of that, uh, but I, I guess I do like the idea of just letting Marcus Smart bring the ball up the floor. Uh, and then once they get into their set, hand the ball to one of those two guys and let them operate and, do their thing on the floor. Um, I think you can run Marcus Smart at point guards at times with second units. When Ja comes back, 
it, it's just going to open up everything for him because that's not his primary focus is not going to be how do I run this offense? How do I set the table and get these guys the ball where they want it? Because number one, he's playing with a, in a, a completely new system with guys he's not used to playing with on top of being out of position. Like that's a lot to try to handle on top of you want him to be this defensive stopper. He just has a lot going on. And I think once Jock comes back, it'll fix a lot of that. Uh, he's just in a position right now where they're using him in as a player that that's not what he does. Um, and I, I just think it takes away from it, his game overall. He's thinking too much and that, that can affect your shot um, at times. And so I'm not super upset with him. I know a lot of fans have already called him a bust and that, I don't think that's what we're seeing at all. I think he's just being put in a position to where it's just not best for him. And I think it's affecting his game overall. Um, and you, you got all kinds of other stuff going on. I mean, know how much he loved being in Boston, new city, new teammates, new system. He's just dealing with all this stuff, man. Marcus Smart's going to be fine. Veteran guy. We've seen what he can do when John comes back. I think he's going to fit into this team just fine. And just really quick to, to that point, what I do like about as Marcus figures this out, when John does come back, he's still going to remember where guys like their spots. So we mm -hmm. get frustrated a lot because Ja does look off Jaren or doesn't do that pick and roll game with Jaren much. I, I think you might get some of that, even if Ja doesn't improve in that area, you might still be able to get some of that Jaren paint touch, touch this thing from Marcus Smart because he still has that experience and that chemistry with getting in the ball down there. And so um, yeah, I think ultimately what, what we're seeing right now is frustrating because it, it lowers the floor of yeah. who the Grizzlies can be. The floor is lower, and I think that's frustrating to see. But I also think the ceiling is much higher than what it was with, with as much as I love Tyus, than what it was. Tyus was a floor raiser, but we, we need a ceiling raiser, and that's what Marcus can be for this team when it's all put together. Yeah, and, and I think – we, you know, as we're talking about this, you can point to team construction, right? We we kind of expected this team to struggle in a way early in the season. Nobody expected that they would be one and one and six at this point. But the fact that you don't have a true point guard outside of Jacob Gilliard on this team right now, I I think that that in and of itself is one of the biggest reasons why this team has not won games because knowing what to do, getting your guys in their spots late in the game, that's how you close it out. And not having that person, I think at least a couple of those games early on, if they had a true point guard on the team, they would have won those games. And that's, this is not a, you know, bring X or whoever, like don't, don't, this is not a, a, bring somebody back to the team, but, you know, Derrick Rose has not been healthy for an entire season in a long time. And so with him, we, we had him for the first four games. He's now missed three in a row. Don't know when he's going to be coming back, but with his injury history, I feel like they should have looked at trying to get somebody with some size that can play point guard and actually give you some minutes from the bench. And, and that's something maybe whenever my, the injuries play, Luke Kennard can be a, a backup point guard ish, right? But he's not a primary point guard. And so I know that the injuries have, have played into that, 
but I, I can't help but wonder what it would look like if they would have had somebody, uh, a vet point guard that was on the bench, or even if they had a two-way guy that had size that you could play on a regular basis. And and it's not lack of effort from Gilliard on the defensive yeah. end. He's super quick. His hands are really fast. If he's he six two, he'd be perfect. Yeah, like he'd be he'd be fine. But he's not, so he's not, and that that's something we're just gonna have to live with. They're not gonna. There's no barring some sort of trade at this point. There's no fixing the roster, and I, I don't think that there's any way that you see any of these young guys really moved um, off of this roster anyway as this point. Um, Candice, you mentioned the the pick and roll. We, you know, like we, we don't have that. We haven't seen that with John Jaron. But last night in the fourth, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, they were manipulating that pick and roll. And, and it was read a clinic. Man, like if Aiton comes up on that pick and roll, then Bain was hitting Jaron on the cut, easy bucket. If Aiton was going under, Bain was knocking down a three, and it was beautiful. And I know that Ja is not the shooter that Bain is, but seeing Jaron play that pick and roll so well, I'm like, I need that. I need that from Ja Morant when he comes back. They've got to work on that. They have to make that happen. Having that three-point threat that Bain is obviously kind of opens up a little bit more, but I think Ja can shoot the ball just enough to make that a threat, and I hope that that's something that they include in the offense moving forward because to this point we haven't seen it a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that was that's beautiful to watch. It really was, and it you those those are things that could have been taken advantage i guess that's what frustrating <laughs> i mean <laughs> they won right so i'm not gonna harp on coaching today but i'm just saying like that it shouldn't take this long to figure out that des and bain and jaron jackson jr can can make a heck of a pick and roll like whatever i digress it worked <laughs> really well and it's something that i think can translate if you're if you're asking projecting how much of this is sustainable that's one of those things that i think can work against almost everything if they if they implement that more in their game because it's a tough choice like and most teams just don't have the personnel to to guard that so that's a great point about that um i was going to make a point on the i was gonna say something about when you're talking about um the last point but i lost it i hope hopefully it comes back um i had a good point about what you're saying but then we switched to the job. The, the Bain and Jaron pick and roll made me completely forget my train of thought. That's how great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't, was. trying to, wasn't trying to throw you off, but <laughs> no, the, one it's, thing, it's worth talking about. one thing I, I don't know that this is going to happen, but one thing, if you look at the Bucks, there's no doubt about when they won their championship that Giannis was the best player on that team, but he was not the closer on that team because he didn't have that outside shot threat. Chris Middleton done a lot of closing on that team because he was most versatile. He could take you off the dribble. He can knock down a three. And if John Morant cannot knock down a three consistently, at this point, I'm completely fine if Desmond Bain ends up being the closer and you have John Morant playing off the ball. Because yeah, – 
Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, man, there is so much to unlock there with those three with, with that we haven't seen yet. And I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, calling for that for, for a couple of years uh, that the pick and roll game uh, with, with John Jaron and, and Bain and Jaron, we saw it last night and maybe that's the St. Andrews in, influence who knows, but I hope when John ja comes back, that's something that they could, cause it's just obvious what, what John ja could do in the pick and roll with Jaron. And for some reason we just haven't seen it. I don't know if it's because they just, haven't had a lot of long stretches where they're healthy together. It seems like either one guy's out or, or the other, um, and they haven't had long stretches. But in the summertime, man, I, I just wish those guys that locked in, got in the gym, locked themselves in the gym, threw away the key, and just worked on that. Because you got a shooter like uh, Desmond Bain, uh, the way he can knock down shots. There's just so much you could do with those three guys that I don't think we've ever we haven't seen. And this is supposed to be this innovative coaching staff in front office, you would think that they could could figure this out, man, and we just haven't seen it. But it was beautiful to watch uh, late in that game. And like you said, it seems like to me, and I mentioned this earlier, that Marcus Smart has kind of found so, a little bit of chemistry there with Jerry Jackson Jr. and figured out how to get him the ball in the post. That's something that John to this date still hasn't figured out. So maybe when you have all three of those guys on the floor, there are going to be times where Marcus Smart is handling the basketball along with John to kind of take him, take some pressure off of him. Maybe he gets the ball into Jared, and we see that continue. Because when you think about the versatility of that, Ja, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, and Jared Jackson Jr., man, the different things that you can do uh, with, with with those four guys, man, it's just the it's just off the charts. I, I think the potential is unlimited, man. But we got to see it. Uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff with Ja, we just haven't seen over these last couple of years, and I've been praying for it, man. Just Get that pick and roll going, man, because it could be almost unstoppable. Um, and, and you got Bain who can, as soon as you cross half court, court he's in range. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to kick the ball out to him because defenses have to honor, honor that. So I, I just hope when Ja comes back, man, that hopefully he's sitting back watching this and seeing some of this stuff and comes back and they try to implement this stuff because there's a lot that they can unlock with those four guys, man. The versatility there is just off the charts. Uh, two guys that can handle the ball. Uh, man, John Marcus Mark can take a lot of pressure off of him. We used to see those lineups with with John and Tyus, and, and with Tyus, you give enough size. That's not the case with with John Marcus Mark. You have a bigger guy that can be a secondary playmaker. I, I just love some of the stuff that they can do, man. We just got to see it. Um, hopefully, and hopefully, when John comes back, that is exactly what we see out there on the floor. I, I want to go uh, back to David's point about being the closer. I think we've seen Bain be the closer especially in the stretch where it was before Bain hurt his toe, for sure. I think he was a closer, clearly, yeah. in those situations. Yeah. And I think it took him a while to, to come back. But Jai get a bucket didn't work last season. And so the games that they won, a lot of times had a lot to do with Des and Bain, to be honest, because like Jai really struggled in the fourth last season. That was – uh, one of the first times we ever seen him be his worst in the fourth. And so it was Des and Bain plays and navigating those that really helped this team to win. So I think that's a winning formula. I agree with you, David, that because of Jai's limitations from how you can guard him, it's not quite the same as Giannis, but because he can't, like, he doesn't have a consistent three-point shot, you are better off with with Bain being that closer and then maybe 
you know, tell Jenkins to be happy because Jago get a bucket can work from time to time if if the defenses get used to playing off of all that can be done with Desmond Bain. It'll open up a couple lanes for Ja. Uh and then and then you can kind of have two guys that can that can bring you home again. Yeah, there just has to be a trade-off. Like it, it can't be Ja go get a bucket every time. Like you got a, a guy with Bain's averaging 26 points a game now, and you know the defenses are expecting it to be Ja, that makes it even more egregious that you continue to go Ja get a bucket because Ja can can draw at the defense and then you kick it out to, to Desmond Bain because you, they're going to honor Ja, I don't care what. Uh, so And that's the thing, like these last second plays, it always goes to Ja. I'm like, why not tip ja, put the ball in Ja hand but then take give it to Bain to, to actually take the shot? And that's something that you don't see. It's always Ja to the bucket. Like And, and other teams know that. They know that's what 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 they're gonna come out of time out with, and it just it didn't work last year. Two years ago, it worked, but teams figured out that's what they're gonna do. So it has to be some ver- versatility uh, to it. And you have a guy that can can score the way that Bain does and, and get a bucket in the mid range or, or from three. Uh, can even get downhill and get to the basket, three level score. You, you get him the basketball in some of those situations. And as Candace just said, that if you do that, now you got him guessing, and there are gonna be times where. They're going to open up lanes for Ja, and he can they, can they can just take turns being a closer. The defense doesn't know what they expect. So you got to have some versatility there, man. But I, I think both of those guys can be, quote-unquote, co-closers. But you can't be Ja get a bucket every time, and that just seems to be what Taylor Jenkins goes to. I mean, it'll be take the whole 24 seconds. Ja just dribbles to the top of the, at the top of the key until it gets six seconds, then he tries to make a move to the basket. Like, that's just not going to work every time. I don't care how, I don't care how good you are. It, the, the, the team's sitting on that, they, they're going to stop you when, when, when you try to do this. It's just not going to work. And we've seen that time and time again, especially last year. You got to come up with more versatility than that, man. I, and I don't even know what he's saying in the huddle. They don't even have to call no timeout. Just say, all right, get him out of the job. What are we talking about? Anyways. Yeah, so it, it, the the one we, we haven't saw John this, like the, the San Andrews offense yet, some of the ball movements, some of the things that they've done this year, although it has not led to wins, that there have been a lot of times where you see the ball movement and the extra screen and stuff like that, and it's like, okay, if we can implement this, if they can put this into practice when Moran is on the floor, it's going to open this offense up so much more. So look, looking forward to getting him back, what, we're 18 to go, 18 to go for 12 to be back. Uh, we're, we're a little over the 30-minute mark here. Do you guys got anything else that you want to go over before we get out of here? Uh, didn't know if y'all want to touch on the um the closing lineup at all, just real quick on they, you know, them closing with Kennard and, and Bismack and how great, how great that was. It was like Yeah, shout out to Taylor on that. Like we we've given him a lot of criticism, but I like the I like the, the lineup that he finished that game with. Yeah, I looked up the small sample size, obviously. On cleaning the gla- cleaning the glass, but that defensive rating with that lineup was twenty nine point four, and that offensive rating was one thirty three point one. Yeah, that like that's I like the twenty seven to two run there at the end is, is you know that that's rough. That that defensive rating is definitely not going to hold, but no. it was extremely effective. You know, Luke is out there knocking down shots, and any time that he's shooting the ball well. He's going to be a threat out there, and you can't – when you have Luke and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson on the floor at the same time, defenses can't cheat. 
They, if you leave any of those guys open, they can kill you from three. Obviously, Dez and Luke are going to be a little more deadly than, than Trip from the three-point line. But now you have, you know, we know uh, Bismack is not going to be a guy that's going to shoot threes. But you have four guys that are more than capable. And so those defenders can't cheat. And if they do, they're going to – they are going to make them pay. And, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved that. It's frustrating as hell because you see times when Jenkins does stuff like that, and it's like, okay, maybe he's figuring this out. And, and then the other, next game, yeah, right back like to in the other same times, stuff. it's like, okay, he's coming out of his shell, and then thunder strike or lightning strikes, and he's like, nope, let me get back in this <laughs> shell, baby. And that, that's just kind of what it feels like. I mean, that I, I, if he evolves as a coach and he figures it out, and this team wins a championship with him. I'll be happy as hell. You know, obviously, anytime that your team wins a championship, you're going to be happy. But I, I just the every time that I get a glimmer of hope, it just gets shredded the very next game when it comes to him. And, and I'm not going to go down that path because I don't want. We've had enough negative podcasts this year so far, so I'm not going to go down that way too far. But. I love that he was able to look at it and see that it was working and stick with it. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, the four guys on the floor, you do, you love having two, the two shooters on the floor. And and typically, if you got Bain and Kennard, the question is like, okay, defense. What about defense? But with with Smart and Jackson, and plus with Biombo and his yeah, reputation, yeah, right? yeah. It, it's just a perfect it's, – it's one of the more balanced lineups that they're going to be able to play. And so I hope that they lean in on that. And like I said, don't shy away from it because it is by far their best lineup. And we'll see, small sample size, but it has the potential to be a death type lineup because, like I said, it's just so balanced on offense and defense. And it's versatile as both of, as all these guys get more chemistry together. So we'll see. But I just wanted to point that out and shout out to that lineup for, for bringing it home. Yeah, when when Lucas when Lucas making shots, he just opens up a completely different dynamic uh, and brings the versatility out because, like you said, you have two guys with with Desmond Bain and Luke that have to really be honored on the three point line. You have Trip um, on the inside, and now you have a guy in in Biombo that can that can protect the rim, uh, rebound, block shots. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, that's all that can be. Like you said, deadly. Uh, just hard for teams to deal with uh, when you have both of Desmond Bain and, and Lenard cooking like that uh, from downtown. So it was just good to see, man. And that, that lineup, man, it looked looked really good down the stretch. And you add John, John Moran to that, man, if they play the right way, that lineup can be nuts uh, down the stretch and it's a closing lineup. And I I, I just can't say enough about Bismack Biombo, man. I, I, I knew he was going to be a positive for this team. I didn't expect it to happen that quickly, man. This dude's coming in off the couch, fitting in like a fitting his team like a glove. Um, like I said, he he's not as big as Stephen Adams, obviously, but he can replicate a lot of the things that he does, and he did that last night. Uh, I mean, you saw the eight points, the opportunistic points, getting offensive rebounds, putting them back. He blocked shots. I mean, he even had four assists. Now that part of it uh, of the game you didn't expect to see uh, him replicate kind of playmaking, but he even did some of that last night. So I'm just happy to have him, man. They needed somebody in that lineup, and I think that's just going to be great for X. Going to be fantastic for Trip. I think we saw a great play 
with those guys playing next to each other. I think that opens up stuff for him as well. Uh, it kind of helps him in the same way that kind of Steven Adams helps him in the X doesn't really help him in that way. So, man, I, I feel good about the Biombo um, acquisition. Um, I, I think you probably could go ahead and guarantee him now. Uh, I don't mean, He's 31. He's an older guy, so I don't know if you, you're concerned about injuries or anything like that, but he, he's a piece that can help this team. Uh, man, and, they, and they needed him, man. I was just glad that they were able to able to get him. It's kind of ironic that, that X went down and he was able to start, uh, but I think that really gave them an opportunity to show uh, what he can do for this team. Uh, so I think he needs to be the starter going forward and, and bring X out the bench, man, and and, and we move. I mean, that's, that's – got to win. I, I know it's just the Portland Trailblazers, but Bakers can't be choosers at this point, man. You 0-6. Hey, I, I don't care who you play, man. Give me a A dub. win is a win all day, all day. Getting, yeah, Trailblazers look like the uh, 95 Bulls. Heading into that game, man, <laughs> the way that this team has been playing. So, man, we'll, we'll it, it, it did look good for a while, man. They <laughs> yeah. went down 11, man. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to lose to this team again. But they, they put that lineup in, man. They were able to they, they claw their way back in and go on a big run, man. So, shout out to them. Uh, these, I do want to say, man, these next two games on the home floor, you kind of look at this, their schedule. They got some tough games coming up um, on the road. They go back on the road after these two at home. These games are monumental, in my, in my opinion. If you're going to try to stay afloat and, and do some of the things like we were talking, like when I think the, the expectations have been lower. We were saying like maybe 15 games or something at first. I mean, I think now you probably need, if you can go 10 and 15 or something like that, you'd feel really good about that. And if they're going to do something like that, I think these two games that they got coming up on the home four are critical. Uh, you got a Miami team who got to win tonight, uh, but they have been struggling. Uh, they got guys in and out of the lineup. So we'll see what's, happening with them when they get in here on Wednesday night. But you got that game, and you got a game against a Utah team who beat you pretty bad um, on their home floor out in Salt Lake City. Uh, you definitely owe them one, and that team's not any good. Uh, that's a team that you should be able to compete with even at this level, and that's uh, an in-season tournament game. So you don't want to go 0-2 down there. They're going to have a special floor. they got the uniforms on. Uh, so that should be a fun one on Friday night, man. So, man, go in there and find a way to get these two wins. Uh, and then we we go from there. But I think these are two critical wins if they're going to have a chance to kind of stay afloat here um, in, in this 25-game bracket. Yep. Yep, I agree. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Dwill 2-1. You can find me at CandiceH901. Isaac, take us home. He can't take us home with his mic muted. He left. Oh, man. Clocked out. <laughs> no, man. Uh, yeah, man. Grizzlies will be back on the home floor on Wednesday night taking on the, the Miami Heat. Uh, so that should be an exciting one. Uh, saw some good stuff, man. Just need to have to carry over onto the home floor and try to get a big victory on Wednesday night and, and keep pushing. So make sure you tune in. Thank everybody for tuning in tonight first. Make sure you tune in after the game on Wednesday night. We'll be back post game hopefully discussing another group win and other next year we'll talk to you on Wednesday night You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.